0: Good morning, Community Grace. What is a Christian? What is a Christian? Do you know how to answer that question? CNN's Anderson Cooper tried to answer that very question on his TV show back in 2006. Let's watch the opening bit of that program.
1: Thanks for joining us tonight. If you were expecting a sermon or a civics lesson, sorry, you won't find one here. You will This is now religion and politics, but first and foremost, we hope it's a vivid color snapshot of your neighbors and our country and how we all have a stake in this question that seems to bring a thousand answers. What is a Christian? We pose it, by the way, not to exclude anyone, but simply to recognize a fact. No other religion, not yet, has so profoundly shaped this country or been shaped by it. No other question, except perhaps what is an American, has figured so highly in so many debates that affect us all. And even as we speak, American Christianity is evolving. How we worship, where we worship, how we express our faith in our daily lives, all of it is changing. Tonight we'll try to give you as many angles as we can, starting with who is a Christian. The vast majority of the United States, more than 85%, is Christian. And two thirds of us, a number that's climbing, consider America a Christian nation. But from there, the lines start to blur. According to a Baylor University study, about 34% of us, fully 100 million Americans, are evangelical. That's an umbrella term covering dozens of denominations as well as hundreds of independent churches. Evangelicals embrace a more literal view of the Bible. They feel a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ and aren't shy about spreading the Gospel. 22% of us belong to mainline Protestant denominations like Episcopal and Presbyterian. These denominations take a more flexible approach to the Bible. They don't see it necessarily as the literal word of God. In politics, they tend to lean to the left. There's also a specifically African American strain of American Protestantism. It makes up 5% of the country. It's tied to the black experience and can be found in denominations like African Methodist Episcopal or AME. Theologically, they're conservative like evangelicals. Politically, however, they're not.
0: We ask this through Christ
1: our Lord. The largest single Christian denomination is Catholicism. Catholics comprise about 21% of the American religious landscape. They're highly. Con-
0: All right, we'll stop it right there. I play that to get our minds expanded to this question a bit this morning that we're going to answer today. What is a Christian? As you see, there's a lot of different answers potentially out there. There are lots of different opinions of what a Christian is. Let's talk a little bit more. Since we're on TV shows, have you ever seen Jay Leno's feature on his late night TV show, Jaywalking? Uh, maybe you've seen it, it's kind of a man-on-the-street type of interview feature where he goes around on a busy street and asks people what they know about certain things like politics or American history or the way government works, and they only choose to air the very most embarrassing answers, right? If you've ever seen that, people look like uh, pretty embarrassed, pretty foolish. They don't know. But let's say that Jay Leno was to ask 50 people on the street, what is a Christian? Define Christian for me. Can you imagine the type of answers that you would get? You probably wouldn't get any two answers the same. You might hear things like, a Christian is someone who believes there's a God. Or a Christian is someone who tries to live a good life and treat other people right. A Christian is someone who's been baptized, whether sprinkled as a baby or dunked, or maybe they had confirmation at 13 years old. A Christian is someone who goes to church. I go to church, at least on Christmas and Easter, so I must be a Christian. Or someone who was born into a Christian family. It's kind of a cultural thing. These are all answers that you might hear, and, and a whole lot of other things, some not as flattering. I've heard all of these answers before. Or like one barrier our Christian missionaries in Muslim countries around the world have to overcome is they think that all white people are Christians. Right? That's a barrier that they have to overcome because especially now as more and more uh, people in certain countries that I've, been, uh, I've visited are getting television, they see Western television, especially French television, and so what do they see? They see a lot of sexualized programs, and so they automatically think that's what Christians value. That's who, they, that's who Christians are. See a barrier there. I mean, these are things that Christ is absolutely not involved with. This is why so many missionaries in nations around the world have actually replaced the word Christian and identify themselves as Christ followers to overcome that stigma, that barrier. No, 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 let's let's talk about we are Christ followers. And as we're going to see today and throughout this series that we're beginning today, that's okay it's okay to be known as Christ's followers. Yes, we are launching a new series today called Discipleship, Following Christ, Here and Now. Because that's where we live. We live here and now. So to start, we are asking, what is a Christian at all? What's a Christian in the first place? And we must start here to make sure that we know who we really are. We have to start here to make sure that we are Christians. Are you? Once we make sure of this today, then we'll dive into all the scriptures over the next weeks about what to do from here with that information. And to find the answer, as we do for everything in life, we look to God's word. We look to God's revealed word to us. This is what the Holy Spirit works through to do a lot of different things. Listen to this. This is what the Holy Spirit informs us with, draws people in with, enlightens us with, reveals everything God wants us to know about him in life and ethics and decision-making and, and our purpose in life. This is what he inspires us with, what he convicts us with, what he, bring, what he uses to bring us spiritual life. This is the God-breathed, inspired truth. It is living and active. It's the only living, active book that you can read. So, going back to how some Muslims define Christians, you know, a lot of them also define us as this. They know us as people of the book. And that's actually pretty accurate. That's, they're on the right track there. We are people of the book. And we are much, much more than that, which this book tells us. So let's open it. Our text is Acts eleven, nineteen 19 through 26, which Cole just read. But turn with me there now and open your Bible apps. Have that on your lap. If, if you didn't get a bulletin so you can take notes and want one, Aaron's got the basket around. I look around and I, I just have a feeling people didn't grab one. Would you raise your hand if you want a bulletin? I see, I see several hands. Aaron's good at this. He knows what he's doing. Just keep your hands raised, and he'll bring you by a bulletin and a, and a pen. It's got the sermon notes in it. And the text will be on the screen, too, if you don't have your Bible. Acts eleven nineteen 19 through 26. These eight verses, these three paragraphs, out of the story of the birth of Christianity, of the church, the earliest church, the plantings of churches, the Acts of the Apostles, That's what the book of Acts is. And we're going to look at these three paragraphs. These three paragraphs tell us about Christians in the ancient city of Antioch, a happening city in the ancient times. And verse 26 might have stuck out to you when Cole read it just a few minutes ago because it said that people were first called Christians here in Antioch. Did you catch that? This is where the first the term Christians was first used. So maybe their story can answer our question: what is a Christian? Can we look and find what made them Christians? And can what made them Christians be the same thing that makes us Christians today? And I believe it is. And that's what we'll find as we look at this text. And I love Acts, it's the story, the narrative about everything that happened after, after Christ left the earth. Because you'd think if you take all the Bible's commands and instructions and that we try to apply to our lives and said, well, if the story of Christianity should, should contain all of those, right? All those truths and principles. And you open up the narrative, the story, and guess what? They are in there in story form. And they're in our story as well, that we're still living So let's look at this narrative, these eight verses. And as you do, we're going to see five things, five things in this text that make a Christian. And my challenge to you is to identify with all five. We're going to go through them right now. And see if all five of them are true of you. And see if all five of them are true for the people that you know, the people in your life. And to see if you can remember all five and how to communicate them to someone else. This is the answer. What is a Christian? Am I a Christian? Well, the first of the five that needs to be true to answer yes is this. Number one, I've heard the good news about the Lord Jesus. To be a Christian, you've got to hear about Jesus. Let's look at this story. Verses 19 and 20, the first two verses. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. This is a story. Let's see what's going on with this. This is how it happened. First, verse 19 refers to Jesus' followers who were scattered after Stephen. Now, this is important to know. Back in Acts 8, just three chapters before, the apostles were out preaching the good news of Jesus. They were fired up to do it in the face of a lot of persecution. And Stephen was stoned to death for doing it by the mob. Who had been whipped up by the people in charge. Mobs have been around for a long time. And they weren't finished just with Stephen, they were going after the rest of Jesus' followers. So they scattered. See that? And as happens every time there's persecution of Christ's followers that scatter, the gospel of Jesus spreads the news about Jesus spreads. Consider today that Christianity is growing faster in the country of Iran than any other country. Only China has grown, the church in China has grown faster than the church in Iran over the last 10 and 20 years. And those places are places of great persecution of believers, and they are spreading. It's a fascinating study how persecution, even right now, today, is causing the gospel to spread all over the Middle East in the harder-to-reach places. I want to caution everybody against idolizing and worshiping comfort and safety. And if my comfort and safety ever keeps me from proclaiming the gospel so that people can hear it, I just hate the thought of that. I don't want that. And I want you to hate that thought with me. And we are very thankful for our security and our freedoms here. And we thank God for it all the time. But please never let it stop you or hinder you from proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus, so that people can hear it. Because that's the first thing that it takes, is to hear the gospel. So they spread all over the Roman Empire. Keep looking in verse 19. It says, first to the Jews. Did you realize that Christianity started as a movement among the Jews? That's what it was at first. But, verse 20 begins, But some of them started preaching the good news of the Lord Jesus to everyone they came across. They understood, clicked. They understood Well, this is what Jesus wants. He wants every tribe, tongue, nation, people group of the world. This is his new people. This is what he said. No longer one chosen nation, but one people from all nations. So all need to hear, and they understood that, they grasped that, and they did not let their prejudice and biases and racism or laziness or whatever keep them from crossing cultural boundaries and telling everyone about the good news of Jesus. So they grasped that Jesus' new people would be made from everyone, and that's why we have heard about Jesus. Aren't we glad? Aren't we glad? Because somebody told us, and it invaded our culture, the good news. So I've used this word, good news, and gospel a couple times. Let's define our terms, make sure we know what we're talking about. What is the good news about Jesus? This is the foundation of Christianity. We talked about the foundation in the opening song today, too. That was very fitting. So we're talking about the foundation of Christianity. 59 years ago, the legendary coach Tom Landry walked into the training camp of the Green Bay Packers and stood before 36 professional athletes who just months prior had watched their championship dreams slip through their fingers. It was the summer of 1961, and Vince Lombardi started training camp holding something that needed no explanation and said, Gentlemen, this is a football. How many people remember that or have ever heard that before? Now, if I'm going to use a Green Bay Packer illustration, it's got to be a really good illustration. Trust me. (laughs) And it is. It's a very good illustration. In five words, Tom Landry communicated his point. If you want to be successful, we're going to remember the basics and make sure we're executing the fundamentals You never graduate past the basics. You build on them. You never move past them. His focus continued throughout the entire training camp and the season. Each player reviewed and remembered the fundamentals of their position, how to defend and tackle, how to catch and throw, how to stand and run, and ultimately how to think. Six months later, The same group of men gathered to hear another one of Vince Lombardi's famous speeches. This time it was to celebrate their NFL championship and their 37-0 victory over the New York Giants. By remembering the fundamentals, they had become the best in the league at the task everyone else took for granted. Pretty cool. The good news, what we call the gospel of Jesus is the foundation, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. It is the basis for, the, for being a Christian. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's make sure we know what it is and how our lives are built upon it. The word gospel, I will preach this until I die. The word gospel means literally good news. That's what it means. This is the Vince Lombardi moment here. We all, many of us know this. Most of us know this. But we never move past this. This is the foundation of our lives as Christ followers, as Jesus' people, as Christians. The gospel of Jesus. It's all all about Jesus. And the good news is about him. So we have to know and how to to build our lives upon it. So what is the gospel? And honestly, far far too few churches are proclaiming and preaching the gospel now when I first learned the State of American church and preaching years ago, I thought that can't be right. I mean, God gave us the Bible, we're not preaching it. Man, there's so many churches that aren't preaching the gospel or preaching the word. That's not gonna be us. Too few people who think they're Christians understand it. So let's make sure that everybody here in this church and that are watching and that have joined us understand what the gospel is. In short, here's what it is: God is big. He's so big, he holds the entire universe in his hand. And he's so holy. He is purely and perfectly the bright, powerful, light, holy that if we entered it, it it would just fry us to a crisp. I mean, he is that holy. We, on the other hand, are so small in comparison, and we're filled with sin. Even one sin can't be in his presence. We're lost and hopeless. This is what the Bible says is our condition as humans. But we are his image bearers who he created and he loves us and he gives us hope. And so he provides a mediator between his greatness, our smallness and hopelessness and and death to stand in between and bring us together. And that mediator is Jesus Christ. And the good news is that he exists and that he did the work that we can't do on our own. Here's what that work is. Here's the essence of the gospel right here. The New Testament says it over and over and over again in so many different ways, but here's the clearest and most um, succinct statement of what it is. It's Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4, a great verse to memorize. Christ died for our sins. Okay, Christ, who never did anything wrong, who was God, all-powerful, worthy to be worshipped, died for our sins. That's the gospel in accordance with the Scripture that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he took on our sins, buried him in the ground with his death, and then didn't stay dead, but rose to new life to conquer sin and death and leave all that in the ground, and we have been given everything. Praise Praise God if we have these five things in our lives, okay? So first is we need to hear the gospel, and you've just heard the gospel. This is the good news, that Jesus took the punishment of death for our sins, to wipe away our sins, to give us new life. And you are free from that. So you have heard. That's the good news. Now, the second of the five things that must be true for you, we're asking, am I a Christian? I've heard the gospel, the good news. Number two, I believed. Pray that you're soul-searching right now. Let's talk about this. In verse 21, next verse in the story, let's see what happens here back in Antioch. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. They believed. What did they believe? They believed the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ that they had just heard. That's what they believed. But this believe is more than just saying, oh, yeah, I believe that there's a God. Yeah, I believe that Jesus was God. This believe is more than that. The Bible says that even the demons believe that Jesus is God, and they shudder. This is a different kind of believe. This is a belief of trust and receiving. Look how that verse starts. God works in their hearts. He worked in their hearts. The hand of the Lord was with them. And he works in our hearts today, helping us to accept this truth and receive this truth as our own. This is the kind of belief we're talking about. You become a Christian by believing that Jesus is your Lord. The Bible's full of other things. I'll just say two other verses. Acts 4.12 tells us that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is what you have to believe, that Jesus is God and our Savior. Jesus himself in John 14 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. This is what we believe. I, this, I'm, I'm proclaiming this good news to you right now, but that does not bring you to life until you believe it and receive it as yours. Now, combined with that is number three. And it's from the same verse, and I hated to even split these up into two different points, steps, point one and, I mean, step two and step three. I hated to even break this up because they go together, but I wanted the chance to talk about each of them individually. But if you have your sermon notes there with you and a pen, just bracket number, number two and number three together because they're one, they go hand in hand. Number three is, I turned to the Lord, or I repented. Let me read that verse again. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. See this? John the Baptist came preaching, repent and believe. Jesus came preaching, repent and believe. The apostles came preaching, and everyone else who preaches the gospel today comes and says, repent and believe. together. The word repent means to turn from the directions that you were going and turn to God. Without that turning away from the directions you were going and turn to God, you take out repentance from the gospel and you're left with an easy believism, cheap grace heresy that doesn't save. You're essentially saying, okay, I hear what you're saying and I'm going to keep living my own life I'm going to keep pursuing everything. Nothing's going to change. I'm just going to add Jesus to it for some fire insurance for eternity. That's something else for me. This is not Christianity. Christianity is when you say, I repent from all of that. That I can do it on my own, that I don't need Jesus, that I'm my own God. I'm going all these ways that are opposed to his holiness. Turning from that and turning to him instead. Now his life becomes my life. His agenda becomes my agenda. His truth becomes my truth. His mission becomes your mission, and it's the best thing in the world. It's the best decision you'll ever make. He is a good God. We are not. That's what repentance is, and that's what that steps two and three together to be a true Christian, not a cultural Christian, a true Christian. As the video we watched at the beginning pointed out, it said, if you caught that, 85% of America is Christian. Did you hear that? Is Christian. Not a Christian, not a true Christian, not a Bible-believing, Jesus-believing, saved, con- you know, repentant Christian. No, it's 85, 85% of the country is Christian. That's a cultural term. That's not what saves us. Faith in Christ and repentance from our sins and self-sufficiency and the way we're going And following Jesus, that's what saves us. So if you haven't repented and believed in this way and you want to be a Christian, here's the good news. You can today. If you're sitting there thinking, man, I've been in church a long time and I have not done that. Do it right now. Do it today and become alive, spiritually alive for the first time. And when we turn to Jesus, we will experience number four answer to what is a Christian. Number four, we will experience the grace of God. I experienced the grace of God. Is this true for you? Let's look at the verses 22 and 23. The report of this came to the ears of the church. The report of what? Go back to verse 21. A great number who believed turned to the Lord. Okay, this is before social media. So we got a great number of people turning to the Lord, and that made such a radical difference in people's lives that they heard about it, over in Jerusalem. Like, man, some, this, some good stuff is going on. I mean, they, they were changed. They were making a difference in the world. And Jerusalem heard about it. So here's what they did. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. There's a lot here. First of all, what is grace? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We deserve God's judgment. Through our faith in Christ, he takes that away. He lavishes his grace on us. He's so good. And we need to be so grateful. Romans, 8, 5, Romans 5, 8 and say, say, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, enemies of God, Christ died for us. little bit later it says more than that we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ whom we have now received through whom we have now received reconciliation when we turn to God we get his saving grace and we become family of God and look at the effects in Antioch the news of changed lives reached Jerusalem so they sent Barnabas and here's some serious discipleship right here we have some new believers man we're sending someone To teach them and to train them and to walk them up. This is discipleship. And I don't want to get ahead of myself here, though. This is a discipleship sermon series. We're going to talk a lot about that. But when he came to check it out, he saw the the grace of God visible on their faces. He heard stories about the way they treated each other and loved each other and, and and the community around them. And then the last part of verse 24 says a great many people were added to the Lord. Of course they were. Because when a people proclaims Jesus and then lives it, the tendency is that that community turns to Christ and receives the Lord as well. That's how it works. And that's how it works in our lives and our community too. So at this point, we've gone through one through four. If these five, these four things are true of you right now, One, numbers one through four, if they're all true, and you have received the grace of God because of your faith and repentance and belief, you are a Christian. Be assured of that. You're not perfect yet. God doesn't glorify us into perfection until we get to heaven, so you're not always going to feel all that assured, but be assured if those four things are true for you, you are a Christian. A true, genuinely saved and redeemed, alive Christian, not a cultural Christian anymore. Remember, Jesus says there are many who call themselves Christians and and are not. And I want to include this verse here, these verses from Matthew 7 21 through 23, because if you still need to be gripped by this truth, I want you to hear this. Jesus says some of the most profound verses in the entire Bible. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Friends, churches are filled with people who think they are Christians and are not. It's a matter of the heart. Have you repented and given your heart to Christ, allowed him to be the Lord of your life, your Savior from your sins? It doesn't have to be this way, though. We can have a church filled with really true Christians. Repent and believe and experience God's grace today and tell us about it because there are steps to take from there. So that's number one through four. If those four things are true for you, you are a Christian. So, why is there a number five? Why is there a number five? Well, once one through four are true of you, then number five automatically becomes true of you. Here's what it is once you are saved by Jesus, number five is forever true about you. I became a disciple. Verses 25 and 26 finish this story. So Barnabas was so excited about everything he saw in Antioch. So what did he do? Well, he was teaching them and training them, but he did something else. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. He's like, I need some backup, man. You've got to come with me. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. How cool. And here's our statement. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. The disciples were first called Christians. We're starting a sermon series on discipleship. So you need to know this at the outset. The word disciple... Literally and simply means follower. I just want to make sure everybody remembers that. So would you say that out loud? Disciple means follower. Okay, here we go. Disciple means follower. The word disciple has been around for thousands of years. It's just always been there. And you can be a disciple of any leader, a follower of any professor, teacher, mentor, religious group or whatever, have disciples. That just means followers. But something very special happens when you attach that word to Christ. As a follower of Christ, your entire life changes. And I mean every single part of it. He is your Lord. Everything changes. You're given a new spiritual life through which to view and respond and value every part of life. You're a new person. We are all new people. We are now disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus. He modeled how to live and how to think, how to deal with people and situations. He is our Lord and Savior. We follow him. This is what a Christian is. Now, it just so happens that we became known as Christians in one of the first churches that was ever planted After Jesus left the earth and they were starting to lead people to Christ, and here's how church planting works. Once people believe in Christ, they're not just left on their own. They congregate into a local church. That's how it works. So we're big into planting churches. So this is one of the first churches that was ever planted there in Antioch. And we don't know who in the church coined the phrase, let's call ourselves Christian. We can imagine that it was somebody that was creative and probably influential they're like, hey, John said we should be called Christians. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. Okay, we have those same kind of creative and influential people in this church too, and, and they come up with really cool stuff. We're like, yeah, that sounds good. So that's kind of the history of the word Christian. It literally means little Christ. And there's a part of me that uh, I'm a little too, almost too humbled to, uh, to, to be known as a little Christ. But that's what Jesus does. He lifts us up and shares his glory with us. That's the point. It's only by God's grace that he has lifted me up to some position so prominent as one who identifies and belongs to our great God in this way. So a Christian is is someone who believes and follows Jesus Christ. And following Christ with each other is called discipleship. This is what we're launching today, and we're going to talk about this in the next seven weeks and go a lot of different directions, and I kind of wish we could start right now today, but we can't because we're just about out of time. But we've talked about enough, and hopefully the Holy Spirit has been working in your heart enough that we can stop right now, and our lives can change as a result of this today with a few next steps that I have for you today to take. Next step number one is believe in Jesus. Again, if you have not yet, this could be the day of your salvation. The follow up question to what is a Christian is are you one? There's no more important question than that in your life. Then, number two is behave like believers. (laughs) It's so simple. To understand and so hard to do. I acknowledge that every day in my life. So what does following Jesus look like? To answer that for today, the sermon series is Discipleship Here and Now, and that's what we're going to talk about. To answer that for today, I mean this very day in our lives, I want to read to you a Facebook post from none other than our own youth director, Sean Mason, who is here today. And he's getting hot over there. He's like, what? (laughs) uh sean posted something a few days ago on facebook that few things could be more relevant for today than this right here it says a lot so pay attention i'm going to read it pretty quickly okay hold on here we go sean writes i found my heart troubled this morning troubled not at government officials or doctors but troubled for people who People claiming to be followers of Christ who are so angry about what is going on that all they can do is spew words of hatred and not grace and love. I see those claiming to be a follower of Jesus, not speaking truth in love, as Ephesians 4.15 tells us. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So that we can build one another up, but instead are tearing each other down and simply because someone does not agree with them. My heart is troubled that there are followers of Jesus who are showing nothing different than what the world is showing. They are not showing that following Jesus brings peace. They are showing that following Jesus causes you to be angry at everything you don't agree with. And that if you do not agree, the answer is to be angry. There is no love. There is no peace. Only hatred. I look at Jesus' words in Luke 6, 27-36 where Jesus gives us the command that we are to love our enemies and do good to those who hate you. We are to bless those who curse us and pray for those who abuse us. If we are struck, we are to turn the other cheek. But the verse that really sticks out to me is Luke 6:35. Jesus tells us this, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be the sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Did you catch that? He asked. We are commanded to be kind because the Most High God, Most High being God, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil ones. God is kind to those who stand against Him. The even crazier part is that Christ still went to the cross and died for those who hated Him. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me, Romans 5.8. Want to talk about mind-blowing? Let's start there. That while I deserved only death and eternal separation from God, He chose to die for me so that I could have a relationship with Him. And in return, He commands that our lives reflect the gospel and good news. This isn't even about to wear a mask or to not wear a mask, though that is the current divisive topic at this moment. This post is only about how I have witnessed those claiming themselves to be followers of Jesus treat others and speak to others. I will say that right now, harmony is not what I am seeing in the bride of Christ. I see division, hatred, anger, and malice. Are we honestly surprised by the events happening in our world? I see a lot of believers almost surprised and perplexed about what is happening. And I simply want to ask the question, have you been spending time in his word? The events happening in today's world should not shock us. And I am not going to lie, as each day passes, I get more and more excited about what these events could possibly be leading up to. I hope and pray these events are leading up to the sweet return of Jesus, a return that I have been praying for since the day I became a follower of Jesus. These events should push us to love, not hatred, because the days are numbered, Psalm 90. The days are short. Everything we do should reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ and thus make people want to follow Jesus as well. We should stand in one spirit with one mind, striving for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened by our opponents, Philippians 1. So I pray that if you are a follower of Jesus, I ask you to take an honest look at your heart and make sure we are following Paul's instructions in Ephesians 5, 15, and 17. I'll read them again. Look carefully carefully. Then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's look carefully how we walk, representing Christ well in all that we do. May we speak in love, not hatred, so we may see people come to know Jesus. May we take an honest look at our hearts and repent of any hatred, anger, bitterness, malice found in us. Repent of that. And may we pray and prepare for the ever so close return of Jesus Christ. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Man, I loved reading that. Behave like Christ followers. And in this spirit, I do need to, as the lead pastor of this church, need to make a statement on mass. where we are. Following Christ here and now today. So here's the statement for Community Grace going forward. In light of the news that we received this week, there's a 30-day mask, uh, call to wear masks. I'm sure that you've all read it. If you haven't, it's out there, and you should. Here's our church's statement. We understand the vast differences of opinions about them, differences here within the church and among any group of people Differences in the science and medical communities, political entities, etc. We recognize that there are forces, both physical and spiritual, that feed off of division. So it is being stirred up on a scale unlike anything I've ever seen in my life, and successfully. But Jesus said in Ephesians 2 that he shed his blood to end hostile division among us. I'm so proud of how Community Grace has responded so well to the shutdown and reopening after the last few months, being extremely diligent and cautious, enjoying the regathering for those who are able to, for not being judgmental toward people who don't come or do come, for praying and striving to connect with people that we haven't seen, and for major efforts made to enhance the online experience which God has blessed in so many ways. It's impossible to make everyone happy with any ministry decision, especially in these areas. But I'm going to ask you to pray for the leadership in the church. Can we do that? Pray for our church. Pray for the leadership in the church. And to have that Christ-like spirit that we've already demonstrated to the world these last three months. For us to be light and salt in the world, we must respond this way with much prayer, much love, and much grace. No personal attacks. So, we will honor the governor's advisement over the next 30 days and strongly encourage masks, though due to various concerns with wearing masks, we will not ban anyone from attending without them. I'm not going there. We will continue to make them available at entrances. And know that things change almost daily. That continues to be the case. We'll keep everyone posted if anything changes. So that's going forward. Now let me talk about, just in in closing, where we're going as a church in this series going forward. Third next step is be involved in this series. Here's what we're going to ask you to be a part of. Invite you to be a part of. God is going to uh, guide you in your place in this, and it's going to be exciting. Here's what we have. We started with what is a Christian today? The most important message probably of of all of them. Next week is the youth service, and uh, that's our biannual youth takeover service. It's always good. The one in February was spectacular. Next week's going to be a lot of fun. Sean's going to bring a message on uh, the why of discipleship. And begin the how. After that, I'm going to define what is a disciple. That's the being Christ followers. And then the next week, the making. How Christ followers make Christ followers. Oh, I love all of this. Then, the here and now for our church. Community Grace's vision for discipleship. And we'll have our playbook finished by then. Then a small groups related sermon created for community. Discipleship happens in community. That's what we were created for. And on that day, that's August 30th, is our small group leader training day. And I will say we want to add several more small groups so that hopefully everybody can be in one this fall. So I need a few or several more small group leaders going into mid-September. So August 30th, after church that day, is small group leader training. Would you just listen to the Holy Spirit? I'm going to say this now and again a couple times over the month of August. Consider leading or co-leading or hosting a group at your house. After that is the cost and reward of discipleship and then the finale, tying it all together, launching into the new ministry year. That's what we have from now until September 13th to enjoy God's leading, the Holy Spirit's work in us as a church. Let's close it in prayer, give it to God and be ready for what he has for us. After I pray, we're going to observe the bread and the cup. This is another characteristic of Christians. We follow Christ. This is what he has given us to do to proclaim his broken body and shed blood for us. We're going to observe the bread in the cup. So when I pray, if I can have the elders, deacons, ushers, the guys that are helping up there, and then I'll give some instructions for that. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but I am glad to be a Christian. And I will sing and rejoice of that. For eternity. And I am so glad that you've said this isn't just an alone thing at all. You put us in this church. So I pray for this church, and I pray for each and every person here who needs to trust Christ right now, and all those those who just need to follow Christ even more right now. We commit our lives, our spirits into your hands, into your plans, and we love it. And we are grateful for it. And to demonstrate our unity. In Jesus' blood, uh, we're going to partake in the simple ordinance that you've given us to for all time, uh, this bread and this cup, and we're so thankful for it. Bless us. Fill this place with your spirit, we pray right now. In Jesus' name, amen.